Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode two of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And I'll tell you what, we are just three weeks away from the start of the college football season. Now I know the full slate of games won't start until Labor Day weekend, but we still have college football that will kick off on Saturday, August 27th. And as we continue to approach that date, I will do everything I can to make sure that you know all the players that you should be starting to keep an eye out for at the beginning of the season. Now, we know that there are going to be guys that are going to emerge as the season progresses that will be draft-eligible prospects in the 2023 NFL Draft. But making sure that we at least kick things off, we know who it is that we should be focusing on, who are some of the top prospects at each position. And look, episode one was all about offense, but dude... We're talking about the defense. I'm getting excited about being able to talk defense with this podcast. And I'll tell you what, when we talk about narratives with the NFL draft, if you listen to the podcast at all, you know we talk narratives. And last year's draft, you really saw the narrative was was defense, defense, and defense. In fact, five defensive players taken with the first five picks. You know, obviously you had three edge rushers in, in Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, and Kayvon Thibodeau going one, two, and five. Three and four were your corners, your shutdown guys on the outside. That's Derek Stingley and Amon Gardner. So when you're thinking about that, that's guys who are either getting after the quarterback or defending the receivers and picking the quarterback off. So when you look at this year's draft, who are the guys that are going to be rising to that level? Look, the last three years we've had two cornerbacks taken in the top 10 picks. Do we have that this year? That's going to be a question that we, we need to have answered. And then when we're looking at the edge rushers, obviously we, we have to be talking about Will Anderson, uh, a special, special player. But is there anybody else that's going to go along with him? And defensive tackle, we can't rule that out either, either as a top five selection when you're looking at Jalen Carter who's just been a beast for Georgia look no more Jordan Davis no more Devontae Wyatt but guess what Jalen Carter is going to be there and he's going to be a man among boys there in the SEC I can feel it already so when we take a look at the edge rushers and really we're going to talk about the the defensive ends first and foremost but uh, I think we have to start the conversation off with, with talking about Will Anderson fifth in the Heisman. When you think about it, this was an edge rusher, a guy coming off the edge, primarily getting after the quarterback, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, but he had 101 tackles. 31 of them went for loss, 17 and a half sacks. You look at that, that's 24 and a half sacks in his career. I talked about him in the last podcast and compared him to Derek Thomas. Now look, he's not Derek Thomas, at least not yet. Derek Thomas, you know, he was an inch shorter, 20 pounds heavier, Um, 10th in the Heisman voting in 1988 and then was the 10th overall pick as we know 52 career sacks at Bama 27 as a senior I mean that's that's staggering to just think that he had 27 sacks and and really the the performance that Will Anderson had as a sophomore 17 and a half he still had another nine and a half sacks to go just to equal what Derek Thomas did now you know, obviously teams knew that they had to key in on Will Anderson and they still weren't able to get the job done. This guy is so explosive, the power in his hands, his ability coming off the edge just in a variety of ways. He can beat you with speed, he can beat you with power, outside, inside, quick hands. He's got the whole package. 
And so when you're talking about edge rushers, I think it really starts that conversation with Will Anderson. And, you know, fifth in the Heisman voting, if there's going to be a defensive player that can sneak into that Heisman conversation, if Will Anderson has a huge year, we're looking at quarterbacks. Could C.J. Stroud be up there? Could Jackson Smith and Jigwa steal some of the Heisman votes from him? You're looking at, at Bryce Young there out of Alabama. Could he lose some some Heisman votes there with with you know Jameer uh, Gibbs or or the receivers? You know, and and then obviously there's there's Jalen Carter up front for Georgia, and then Caleb Williams at USC, Jordan Addison. You know, a lot of different uh, Heisman votes that'll be out there. Could Will Anderson sneak into the show and potentially, you know, be a, a a Heisman finalist like Aiden Hutchinson was this last year? Was the runner-up to the eventual winner Bryce Young? I think everybody knew that that was going to happen. That Bryce was going to win it. But if Will Anderson has a monster year on the defensive side of the football, should he be deserving of that Heisman Trophy? I mean, my answer is is a resounding yes. But it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Now, when we talk about defense and we talk about the, the defensive front, I, I think one team really takes the cake and we really need to be focusing on, and that's Clemson. Good Lord. Clemson's line, they have five five guys that we could potentially see come off the board in the draft, and, and a lot of these guys will hear their names called early in the draft. Now, when we talk defensive ends, you're looking at Miles Murphy, an imposing 6'5", 275 pounder with really a good get-off. Uh, eight sacks a season ago on a loaded Clemson team. This is a guy you know sheds blocks at the point of attack. Um, one of the things that I thought you know he had an impressive game against NC State, going up against Ike McQuanu, um, read his release on the screen, chased down the running back all the way to the sideline, dropping him for a loss. Excellent, excellent, not only recognition, but then the effort to play all the way to the sideline. You know, Iki Aquano doesn't overset very often, but he did that against Murphy, took an inside path to the quarterback, put a forearm into the side of him, and then used his legs to drive to the quarterback, nearly got the sack, just unable to bring the quarterback down. But look, Miles Murphy is a beast playing next to him. Defensive tackle, Brian Brissy, 6'5", 300 pounds. Look, this was a, this dude... Six and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, true freshman. Everybody was talking about this guy, just a beast up front, right? Power at the point of attack, but an excellent burst up the field. Tore his ACL after four games as a sophomore. So the question is, is is that explosiveness going to return? Because this guy was a quick penetrator, the burst getting up the field, relentless nature, chasing to the sideline, could be an interior pass rusher. When you're talking about defensive defensive tackles, this is not a guy who – uh, is just going to take up blockers. He's going to be a guy that's going to be looking to to get penetration and, and chase you down from behind. So that's why I think he's got a very high ceiling. Th- there is some talk and some worry about could he be the next Taven Bryan, a guy who excelled at the collegiate level, very athletic, but doesn't really translate to the next level. So I think that's something to, to keep an eye out for. His running mate there at that defensive tackle position is Tyler Davis. 6'2", 300 pounds, did not have full seasons in each of the last two se- two years after a freshman season that saw him have 10.5 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks as a true freshman. The MCL injury after seven games in 2020, then tore his biceps um, and only played in eight games a season ago. When you're looking at this guy, he has excellent hands, the power and punch in his hands, it, it, you know, able to drive his man back, then disengage using those hands, 
can, can line up the running back in the hole and drop him for a loss or for no gain. Um, works you know, to the left from the left guard, works around the center, gets downhill to the quarterback, so he can be an interior pass rusher as well. Um, lined up a lot of times at the nose in an odd man front, can take on double teams and hold the, the point of attack as well. Um, that lower center of gravity is something that you see out of Tyler Davis. And, and so I think he's another guy definitely to be on the lookout for. But then you're talking about the opposite side uh, from Murphy, and you're looking at K.J. Henry. He's more of the speed guy, 6'4", 255 pounds, um, four sacks. And then Xavier Thomas, 6'2", 270 pounds, 13 sacks in four seasons. We've been waiting for this guy to really break out, and he hasn't done that. You know, I, I think that's one of the big things that has been the conversation with, with Xavier Thomas is he, he's explosive. He, he's a you know a high character guy. He's a guy that can can definitely push the pocket, get after the quarterback. But we just don't see it translate at the next level. How often is that even going to happen? You know, are we gonna? Is this basically has he tapped out? Has he peaked or not? Because as that true freshman, 33 tackles, but eight and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. He was getting after the quarterback after that season. You know, when you're talking about just 13 sacks after that, uh, 13 sacks in his career, that's just nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, not really as explosive, but he does make some plays behind the line of scrimmage, but it's not to the degree that you're really expecting out of one of your edge rushers. You know, I'm expecting a big season out of Xavier Thomas. If he does that, then we can see his stock, his stock rise. Uh, but right now, I think he's an early day three pick because of the fact that you just don't know what type of player you're going to get. So I, I think when you're talking about defensive fronts, Clemson is really the class of the 2023 NFL draft cycle. And that's not to say that there are, aren't other defensive lines that are, that are out there that can be formidable. But Clemson, when you're talking about those that are eligible for that 2023 draft, Clemson by far is just absolutely loaded up front. So we talked about Miles Murphy at the defensive end position. He could very well challenge to be that number one end uh, taken in the 2023 draft. Now, when we look at, at that end position, we saw four defensive ends taken in 2021 with Jalen Phillips, Quiddy Pay, Peyton Turner, and, and Gregory Rousseau. Another five in 2022 with obviously Trayvon Walker, Hutchinson, Thibodeau in the top five, Jermaine Johnson the second, George Karloftis providing great value late in round one for the Jets and Chiefs respectively. What are we going to see out of this group? I think there's a lot of potential, a lot of talent, but can guys really put it all together? Um, I think when you look at the, that group, uh, Trayvon Walker was a guy that you know we knew was a good player. How good you know, was really the question mark, and we really saw his draft stock continue to just take off. And then obviously the performance at the Combine really had people studying the tape even more, wound up being that first overall pick. But Hutchinson, Thibodeau, they were known commodities. We've been talking about them for a while. Uh, George Karloftis since his freshman year as well. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, a grad transfer who finally got to show what he could do there at Florida State. So the, this is a, a draft class. I think we have a chance to see some of these guys really elevate their game. But there are a lot of question marks right now. I think for me, maybe the number one defensive end might very well end up being Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. 6'4", 257, uh, 10 sacks a season to go. Very quick get off. 
very athletic, bends very well, the speed to power, ripping through, turning the corner, excellent hand usage, that left hand to the inside shoulder of the left tackle, repossessions, gets it into the chest, comes off the block to get to the quarterback. You know, two-hand swipes, very uh, adept with that pass rush uh, repertoire, very versatile with that as well. Um, if you watch that Cincinnati game, he really changed the momentum of that game in the third quarter, down 17 to nothing. Sack fumble, scoop and score by Drew Wright, really changed the complexion of that game. Isaiah Foskey, to me, is a guy that really everyone needs to be on the lookout for. Um, when you look at, at Felix Anadike, uh Uzoma, he's 6'3", 252, uh, 11 sacks, 50 tackles, 14 going for total tackles for loss, six forced fumbles, a guy that has a nose for the football, very explosive coming off the edge. You know that he's going to be tough and hard-nosed coming out of K-State, Chris Kleiman and company there with, with that, that Wildcat program. And you think about other edge rushers that have come there, like like Jordan Willis, as an example. Um, I, I think you know Anadike you know, Uzoma could be primed for a big season. Be on the lookout for them, him there in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, you know Habakkuk Baldonado, 6'5", 260, big physical dude, nine sacks, twelve tackles for loss a season ago. Powerful in his hands, nice up and under a lot of times that you'll see to, to beat the offensive tackle as well. First Italian-born player in the FBS as well. Um, I think he's a guy, one of those sleepers, kind of could end up being that tweener first, second round. Then I look at Will McDonald, the fourth out of Iowa State. 6'4", 245, back-to-back seasons with 13.5 tackles for loss and at least 10.5 sacks. Excellent lateral agility, good hand usage, stays really low off the snap, so that, that low pad level, uh, plays with good leverage. Um, you know, I think this is a guy that struggles at times to get off blocks, especially in the run game, but can be very explosive coming off the edge. So between uh, McDonald and, and Adike Uzoma, you've got some guys in the Big 12 to really keep an eye out for. Moving back to the SEC, look, Ollie Gay, 6'6", six, six, two, uh, 250, really burst onto the scene in 2020, had six pass breakups, using that long wingspan, getting into passing lanes, nine and a half tackles for loss, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Played in six games in 2020, uh, 2021, upper body injury, season ending. Um, but look, this is a guy, when he's healthy, uses those long arms to his advantage, uses his hands very well, striking the chest of, of the offensive tackle, showing speed coming off the edge, uses his hands pretty well, just needs to stay healthy, stay on the field, and really, you know, when he beats his man, can he make plays on the quarterback? Can he actually arrive and, and make a play? That's really going to be the big question mark for Ali Gay. If he can do that, then um, you know Brian Kelly's certainly going to be happy getting some of that explosiveness coming off the edge. When we take a look at, at Colby Wooden out of Auburn, 6'5", 278, one of the bigger edge rushers that we're talking about here. Eight sacks, 18 tackles for loss in his career, transitioning to the Big Ten. And you got Zach Harrison out of Ohio State, 6'6", 267. Look, Five and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss going into his junior season. Everyone was expecting him to make this leap forward, have a big year, and be a guy that could potentially be a first-round pick. But just six tackles for loss, two sacks. Look, a former track athlete, long levers, gets his hands in the passing lane. He struggled to get off blocks. And really, it was one of those things to where Zach Harrison disappeared at times. He and Tyreek Smith would just disappear for stretches in Ohio State Buckeye games. And this is a guy, he's, he's got the size, he looks the part, former track athlete, but man, you gotta get after the quarterback. You gotta make plays behind the line of scrimmage. 
he's somebody that really needs a big year to elevate that draft stock. I'm glad that he decided to come back to Columbus for one more season uh, because I was kind of worried about his draft stock had he come out for the 2022 draft. Then you've got O'Shawn Mathis. That name sounds familiar. He was at TCU, but now he's transferred to Nebraska for his final season. 6'5", 247, nine tackles for loss in 2019, uh, up that to 12 and a half and eight sacks in 2020, then just four tackles for loss, two sacks in a frustrating year in 2021. Obviously, he's moved on to the Cornhuskers, um, but look, this is a guy, he's definitely a speed rusher, very quick get off, easy to flatten out and get to the quarterback in a hurry. He's one of those sneaky good edge rushers and a guy that can fly, let him get turn the corner, flatten out in a hurry and get to the quarterback in, in just a couple of seconds. You know, reminds me of the get off of, of Kayvon Thibodeau. He'll be one of those sleepers to really keep an eye on, especially moving to the Big Ten Conference, going up against some of the better offensive tackles in the country. And so then, you know, one final guy, you know, staying in the Big Ten to keep an eye out for, and that's Lucas Van Ness, someone in that we're not really talking about a ton, 6'5", 264, but a dude that has a ton of power, can get after the quarterback, seven sacks as a redshirt freshman. This is only going to be his, his redshirt sophomore season, could very well come back, but he's a very intriguing prospect. If you watch the tape against Northwestern, you'll know what I'm talking about. Took Peter Skaronski and basically ran him over en route to the quarterback, so be on the lookout for him. You know Iowa uh, defensive linemen are going to be tough. They're going to be hard-nosed, but they're guys that can get after the quarterback. Lucas Van Ness is going to be a name that you need to know. Defensive tackles. I feel like we haven't had really strong defensive tackle classes the last couple of years, and you know I think about it, really, that, that's true. We had Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt in round number one at number 13 and 28 overall, respectively. 21 total defensive tackles taken, but just seven in the first three rounds. Think about that, just seven in the first three rounds. But then in 2021, maybe an even weaker draft class there, no no tackles taken, 19 total drafted, but only five in the second and third rounds. Pretty scary, right? In uh, 2020, just two defensive tackles, and that was Derek Brown and, and, and Javon Kinlaw, and we had nine that were taken in the first two days of that draft. Finally, we hit a, a good draft there in 2019. Six of them were drafted. Obviously, we know about Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, a much more productive defensive front. What does this defensive tackle group, what, what's really in store for us when we look at this group? You know, obviously you look at Jalen Carter. Um, he, he's the, the, the class of, of this, this group. 6'3", 310 pounds. He stood out with his athleticism. The get-off is unreal for a guy his size. Gets up the field in a hurry. Um, eight tackles for loss. Three sacks as a sophomore. And now that Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt are gone, it's Carter's time to shine up front. So disruptive. The speed to power. You know, against Alabama, he took the right guard, Emil Echior, and just drove him right into the backfield, right into Brian Robinson. That's a way to shut down the run, right? Lines up over, over Echior's outside shoulder, really quick off the ball, explodes back to the inside, beats for quick penetration. So that lateral agility off the ball, making a quick move, and then he's gone into the backfield. Jalen Carter has a chance to be a top five pick. I, I think he doesn't get out of the top ten. Um, you know, I feel really confident about Carter. We talked about Brissy and Tyler Davis, but another top defensive tackle to know is Siaki Ika out of Baylor. Transfer from LSU, 
And I'll tell you what, he's 6'4", 350, but not just a guy who's going to be a space eater. This dude is powerful at the point of attack. His presence is felt up front. The push at the point of attack is unreal. Six and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. But those were just the plays where he got home. He can really affect the game. If you watch that, the Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss, that push up front, getting into the backfield in a hurry. There was one play where he forced Matt Corral to throw off his back foot, sailed the pass on a post down the middle of the field. It was ultimately picked off by JT Woods. I mean, he's so physical at the point of attack. He's taking guys, throwing them down. Um, you know, he, he's beating guys with his hands, um, getting that push up the field. And a lot of times, even if he didn't get to the quarterback himself, he was forcing that quarterback into somebody else to get that sack. Siaki Ika, I think if he continues to elevate his game, continues to show that he can get after both the run and the pass, be that interior pass rusher, and be able to hold the point of attack, which he's been able to do to this point, I think Siaki Ika has a great chance of being a first-rounder when it's all said and done. Looking at USC's Tui Tui Pelotu. Look, the defense a season ago struggled mightily. But when you look at Tui Pelotu, 6'4", 290 pounds, he really was the bright spot for uh, Todd Orlando. In comes Alex Grinch, and I think Tui Pelotu is really going to be that feature guy on that defensive front. You think about Perion Winfrey a, a season ago uh, there at OU. Tui Pelotu is going to be the guy for SC. I think this is going to be a huge year for him. Look, five and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss a season ago, 48 total tackles. This is a dude who has tremendous power, but I think one of the things that you see is, is excellent awareness, especially against the run, being able to locate the ball in a hurry, get off the block, chase down the ball carrier, drop him behind the line of scrimmage. He shows you know the ability to beat guys on the outside, inside moves, excellent hands as well. Um, tremendous motor. That's one of the things that I definitely see in him as well. If you watched USC take on BYU, he went up against Blake Freeland, a guy that a lot of people think could end up being a first-round pick. He, you know, Freeland actually goes out to pick him up, kind of up high, which is what he does. You know, he has that higher pad level. So what Tui Pelotu is able to do is actually beat him with leverage, get underneath that pad level, rip through, muscle to the quarterback, get a hit on on Jaron Hall as he's throwing the football. Very athletic for his size is, is Tui Pelotu. And so I think a big year out of him, and he's one of those guys that we're talking about in the first two rounds of the draft. Um, I think when you look at other guys in the SEC, uh, you know, Jervon Dexter, 6'6", 303, and Jacqueline Roy out of LSU, 6'4", 297. A couple of big guys in the middle, guys who move really well. We're expecting them to elevate their game, be someone that we're talking about. You look at Tyler Lacey out of Oklahoma, 6'4", 295, um, you know, 21 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks in his career. And look, Derek Mason is inheriting a defensive front that is on par with what Clemson has in terms of athleticism. You know, they've got the super sophomore Colin Oliver coming off the edge. Trace Ford is finally healthy. And when you look at what Ty uh, Tyler Lacey is able to do, can be very physical at the point of attack, can get after the run, can also pressure the quarterback. He'll be somebody to keep an eye out for uh, there with Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State wants to compete with Baylor and OU, that defensive front, specifically Tyler Lacey, has to have a big year. DJ Dale, I think it feels like he's been there at Alabama for quite a long time. 6'3", 307. 
Um, just a big dude in the middle of the defense, a guy that can take up multiple blockers at that nose guard position, but a guy who I think also has some of that quickness off the ball. He can do a little bit more behind the line of scrimmage as well, so don't let that size fool you. Don't let the fact that he's a nose guard fool you. He can move for, for a big guy. And then moving from the nose guard to maybe some undersized defensive tackles, I got two of them for you. Kalijah Kansi of Pittsburgh and Jackson Player of Baylor, formerly of the Tulsa Hurricanes. Now, in the case of, of Kalijah Kansi, look, he's six foot 275. So obviously not ideal height or size, but the get-off is absolutely real. 13 tackles for loss, seven sacks, has an explosive burst coming off the ball, the speed to power, but also excellent awareness, being able to locate the football uh, against the run. Zone reads, hey, if that quarterback pulls it, he's making sure he's getting off the block and is coming with bad intentions after that quarterback. And then Jackson Player, look, he, he did a lot there at Tulsa. Um, have 50 tackles, 15 going for loss, five sacks last season. Uh, and he's decided to transfer to Baylor. And look, here's the deal. This is a guy who um, has excellent quickness coming off the football. Uh, he's six foot, 290. Another guy that plays with excellent leverage. That get off is something that you absolutely see. I love the fact that he is going and playing with Dave Aranda. You pair him with Siaki Ika, you've got a formidable duo there at that defensive tackle position. And look, Dave Aranda isn't messing around. He's going to be physical. He's going to be tough as nails. He wants to, frankly, punch you in the mouth. And Siaki Ika, with the power, Jackson Player, a guy who plays with good, good quickness coming off the football but can play with a lot of power himself, that's going to be a formidable duo there in the middle of the defense, allowing linebackers like Matt Jones, Dylan Doyle, to get after the quarterback, get home, make some plays. So we make the transition from the defensive line to the linebackers. And really when we talk about edge rushers, we look at the group, Arnold Abichetti, Boye Mafe, David Ojabo, Drake Jackson, Nick Benito, Brian Asamoah, D'Angelo Malone. A lot of tremendous athletes coming off the edge, taking on day two of the draft. So when we look at this group, we're talking about guys that may very well come off the board in round one, joining Will Anderson, um, but you can still get incredible value on day two. And when I look at this group outside of Will Anderson, there's still a lot of talent, a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback. I look at Andre Carter, 6'7", 265. Now look, you may want to play him as a 4-3 defensive end because of his side. His long arms are absolutely ridiculous. He uses them to his advantage. And look, 17 tackles for loss, 14 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, so he has a nose for the football as well, so he's gonna arrive and come with bad intentions. Stand-up edge rusher there for Army, but look, he's not just a guy who's gonna get after the quarterback. He's a guy that can also make plays against the run. Um, a guy that I, I think you'll see him work to the outside, but he'll set his man up too. He'll make those jab steps, faking outside, and then being able to cross the face of the offensive tackle and get penetration into the backfield. Um, I think he does bend pretty well coming off the edge, especially for a guy who is 6'7". He can drop and be able to turn the corner in a hurry, which is impressive. But I just I love the way he uses those hands, uses those long arms to his advantage, speed to power, being able to rip through, turn the corner, and get after the quarterback. Andre Carter, to me, is an exciting, exciting prospect there for Army, a guy who I think could end up being a first-round pick, uh, you know, the first there at Army in quite a while. Uh, if you transition to the SEC, you're going to find B.J. Ojulari. 
BJ Ojolari is 6'3", 244 pounds, a guy who um, I'm looking forward to see play there with, under Brian Kelly. Um, someone who I, I think needs to play with, with with a little bit better power. I think he's a guy that can get driven off the ball at times, struggles to get off blocks. I'd like to see him play a little bit more in space. I think that's where he can really take advantage of his speed. Seven sacks in his career, have four sacks as a freshman. I want to see his game elevated, allow him to take advantage of that athleticism, play him you know, all over the field a little bit more. Um, Clemson, we've already talked about the defensive front, but it doesn't stop there. Trenton Simpson, 6'3", 225, uh, a season ago had 65 tackles, 12 and a half for loss, six and a half sacks. I know there are going to be comparisons to Isaiah Simmons, you know, 6'4", 238. But when you look at him, he was a safety who transitioned to that linebacker position and ultimately exploded with over 100 tackles, um, was able to get after the quarterback, had 16 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, three interceptions, eight pass breakups. Trenton Simpson is not that guy. He's not, but he's still pretty darn good. You know, you see the athleticism, you see the sideline to sideline ability, uh, his ability to drop a little bit into coverage, but really his game is, is playing, uh, playing fast, Playing that, that sideline-to-sideline ability, being able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I want to see him kind of elevate his game. Can he turn it up a notch in terms of being able to get after the quarterback and then really seeing him drop into coverage? That's really where Isaiah Simmons set himself apart was he could play all over the field. I want to see more out of that um, from, from Trent, Trenton Simpson, if I can. When you look at Georgia, that linebacker position, from Channing Tindall to Quay Walker to even to Kobe Dean, they're all gone. Who's left? Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith is coming back. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, um, nine and a half sacks in his career, um, have four and a half a season ago with an interception for a touchdown, three forced fumbles, incredibly quick coming off the ball. He's one of those guys that I just want to see him turn it up a notch and elevate his game, much like Jalen Carter. We see flashes from, from Nolan Smith, I think he's a guy that could end up being a first-round pick. Look, Quay Walker was a guy that was making plays all over the field, showing that quickness coming off the football, being able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, being able to drop into coverage as well. Very versatile. Nolan Smith, first thing you think about with him is that he's an edge rusher coming off and, and crashing and getting after the quarterback. But can he do a lot of those little things? That's one of the things that really helped Trayvon Walker increase his draft stock was he could do a lot of those little things really, really well. Something to keep an eye out there for Nolan Smith for sure. SEC, we're staying there. Derek Hall out of Auburn, 6'3", 251, nine sacks a season ago, 52 tackles as well. Very active edge rusher. And then Brenton Cox Jr. out of Florida. Look, uh, you know, 12 and a half sacks in his career, eight as a junior. Really felt like 2021 was a breakout season for Brenton Cox, a guy that was showing much better ability getting off the football, but a guy that just never gave up. That was one of the things that I, I thought I saw in the first couple of seasons there for Brenton Cox. But man, this was a guy, if he was stoned right off the ball, he did not give up, would show the spin move back to the inside, looking for those secondary moves, always looking to try to make a play on the football. And that's one of the things that I think for, for Brenton Cox, really keeping an eye out for. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think his draft stock if he can continue to, to build upon what he did in 2021 he'll be another player to be an eye keep an eye out for uh zion tupuola fatui he's 6'4 260 pounds he's playing in 13 total games for washington um 
had a torn Achilles in 2021, only played in five games there. Look, you know, he wants to prove that he's not just um, you know, a three-game wonder. You know, had 13 sacks, or I'm sorry, 13 tackles, seven sacks, and three forced fumbles in a three-game stretch for the Huskies. And that's pretty much it. That's really where his production was. Can this guy stay healthy, first of all? You know, is he going to be as explosive as he was prior to the Achilles injury? And then can he prove to us that he can be a consistent menace getting after the quarterback? You know, I think there are a lot of ifs there, which is why I don't have him rated nearly as high as, as some other people do, because I just I want him to prove that he's all the way back and that he could be disruptive for an entire season. If he can do that, then he's one of those guys that I think can ele- elevate that draft stock pretty quickly. Then you look at Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin, 6'2", 227, team with Leo Chennault and Jack Sanborn, uh, you know, to provide one of the better linebacking cores. You know, we know Leo Chennault was the freakish athlete. Nick Herbig was a guy that I think did a little bit of everything, right? Um, nine sacks, 14 tackles for loss, um, six tackles for loss as a freshman. Um, a guy that could play sideline to sideline, a guy that could get after the quarterback, both with speed and with a quick bull rush. Um, showed really good hands getting after the quarterback as well. That's one of the things that I think, you know, you always saw the speed, the effort. Um, Want to see what he can do, drop it into coverage a little bit. That might improve his draft stock. Two other guys to mention there for Iowa. Justin Jacobs, 6'4", 236. Seth Benson, 6'1", 225. Look, Jacobs, 53 tackles as a sophomore. He's going to be a junior. Benson, this past season, 105 tackles, 5.5 going for loss two sacks, an interception, three pass breakups, two very active linebackers there, and they're going to have a running mate, at inside linebacker that we'll be talking about here in just a moment. Now speaking of that inside linebacker position, you look at it, we had Quay Walker come off the board with a 22nd pick overall to the Packers, Devin Lloyd, number 27 overall to the Jacksonville, but then you also had Troy Anderson, Chad Muma, Christian Harris, Terrell Bernard, Channing Tindall, Leo Chanel, all taken on day two. Really deep in that, that second to third round range. Also had two inside linebackers come off the board in round one. Now there's one guy who should be a surefire bet to be a number one uh, or a, be a first round pick, and that's Noah Sewell coming out of Oregon. Did that last name sound familiar? Yes, he's the younger brother of Panay Sewell, the Lions offensive lineman. Uh, the, the, the tackle that was drafted in the first round a couple of seasons ago. 6'3", 250 pounds, Noah Sewell, 114 tackles, 8.5 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, an interception, 5 pass breakups, 2 forced fumbles, and a partridge in a pear tree. This dude was all over the field for Oregon, flies around to the football, plays sideline to sideline, can get after the quarterback, shoots the gaps, speed to power as well. Uh, excellent effort the motor never stops running a guy that can also drop into coverage he's a playmaker and a guy that deserves that consideration in round number one in that mid first round range we'll be curious to see what he runs in the 40 as well Uh, i mentioned iowa middle linebacker how about jack campbell 6'5 243 pounds tackling machine 140 tackles a season ago three and a half for loss one sack, a couple of interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown, six pass breakups. What I love about him is just that nose for the football. Um, always seems to be around making a play, but a guy that can also drop into coverage a little bit. That's why keep an eye out for, for Jack Campbell, potential for, for that first round grade when it's all said and done, because look, 
He does things that other Iowa inside linebackers like the Josie Jules and company weren't able to do, and that's drop and drop into coverage and make plays as he's dropping. So that's a, that's one of the things that uh, characteristic of Jack Campbell that I really want to see. Can he continue to build on that and solidify his status as one of the top inside linebackers? A guy that's going to be breathing down the necks of those guys is going to be Henry Tooto there out of Alabama, 6'2", 225. Um, you know, had 140 tackles in two seasons there at Tennessee, which is crazy considering Campbell had 140 tackles in one season there for the Iowa, uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. But he transitions to Bama, and in one season, 111 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, and frankly outplayed Christian Harris, who was a third-round pick uh, in the 2022 draft. When you think about Henry Tooto, it just seemed like he was always around the football, always making a play. You know, it didn't matter who I was studying, what I was watching, if I was watching the game live. It just always seemed like number 10 was around the football. And, you know, early on, he seemed to be a step slow at times. I was questioning whether or not he was uh, the right fit there at inside linebacker for Alabama. But, man, as the season went on, I became a huge fan of his. He's a guy that I think could end up being a first-rounder when it's all said and done. You just love the way that he plays, the way that he's able to get get after the quarterback, the way that he's able to, to drop into coverage, and really just the instincts. He'll take you to the football. Owen Papo there out of Auburn, 6'1", 226. Look, in 2020, he had a huge year, 93 tackles, six going for loss, uh, four sacks, an interception. 2021, though, only played in five games, had a leg injury that also kept him out of the spring. How healthy is he going to be? Then you've got Texas's Demarion, uh, Demarvion Overshone, 6'4", 217. Look, you know he had a better 2020 season than in 2021. Um, a, a guy that can make, you know, just fill up the stat sheets from the 13 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, a couple of interceptions, nine pass breakups, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries as well in the last two seasons. I think returning for his final season with the Longhorns was a smart decision on his part. Look to see him have a better 2022 season, elevate his game. He's one of those hybrid linebacker safety combos. Um, I think you really gained some traction when everyone was watching JOK, uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Has a little bit more size there at 6'4", 217. Definitely one of those guys to be on the lookout for. His stock could have absolutely rise. One of the, the sleepers in this draft class at that inside linebacker position, one of my favorite players, and one of the best names in all of college football, and that's Servassier Dennis. 6'1", 230. You look at this guy, you know, he elevated his game. That's one of the things that I, I, I love is, you know, he had 14 tackles for loss and four sacks a season ago, you know, with, with 55 tackles. Ended up with 82 as a, as a junior, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, an interception. Really stepped up as one of the leaders of that defense. There were a lot of guys that were big-name players on the Pittsburgh defense a season ago. But Servassier Dennis, look, number 32 of that defense, be on the lookout for him. He is the absolute leader of that defense. Everything starts with him on the inside. And uh, look, you know, Baldonado is, is a stud, but I'm telling you that the defense really is going to start with Servassier Dennis. If he has a big year, then I think Pat Narduzzi is going to be in for a fun time on the defensive side of the football. Justin Flo out of Oregon, a guy that we really don't get to see play a whole lot because he doesn't seem to stay on the field. Um, one of the higher recruited linebackers to go to Oregon. 6'2", 246 pounds. 
played in just one game. But man, I'll tell you what, it was an impressive game as a redshirt freshman. 14 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble against Fresno State, but a foot injury knocked him out for the season. He'll be healthy. Oregon needs him to step up and, and play alongside Noah Sewell. Do what they did, wreaking havoc against Fresno State. He's a guy whose draft stock can absolutely rise as a redshirt sophomore, but you know we really need to be able to see that. I'd love to see him come back for another season, even if he has a big year for that junior season, because I think he needs it. You know, the first two years at Oregon, not really what he was expecting, so he needs to have a couple of really good seasons there. Um, when you look at guys who are playmakers, uh, Deshaun Pace is, a, is another guy that we have to talk about there out of Cincinnati. A lot of guys on that defense, um, you know, guys that went in the first couple of days of the draft. You know, when you think of, you know, Ahmad Gardner to, to Myjay Sanders to, um, you know, Darian Beavers to Kobe Bryant to Brian Cook. But Deshaun Pace was a playmaker in his own right. 6'2", 218, 95 tackles, 9.5 going for loss. Also had four interceptions on the year and a couple of pass breakups. Deshaun Pace seemed to be around the football at, at all times. And he wasn't even a guy that was a, a full-time starter for the defense. You know, he shared that, that role a lot of times. He's one of those guys that I think is going to really be counted upon to have a big year, and I expect him to ball out. Uh, Brian Osamoa had a big year, ultimately was taken in, in on day two of the draft, as I mentioned. Deshaun White is another guy to keep an eye out there uh, for the Sooners. Six foot, 229, um, you know, a guy that I, I think needs to have a big year. You know, I think he was overshadowed by, by Osamoa. Now that he's gone, that linebacking core, they're going to rely on, on the veteran leadership there at, from Deshaun White. If he has a big year, I expect him to be a, a candidate to potentially come off the board in that third, fourth round range. Um, two other guys to mention at that linebacker spot, battling injuries. Uh, Peyton Wilson uh, out of NC State, Ventrell Miller out of Florida. Wilson is the bigger of the two, 6'4", 235. In 2020, had 108 tackles, 11.5 going for loss with three, uh, three sacks. Played in just two games in 2021. Um, and this is a guy, look, the injuries are just absolutely ridiculous. Um, had battled injuries in 2018 as a freshman. In 2020, he actually played with two dislocated shoulders. Ultimately, a shoulder injury in 2021. Had to you know, have surgery. NC State, is, it's crazy. You look at the other linebackers there before we get to Ventrell Miller. Uh, you know, Isaiah Moore, 6'2", 238. 259 tackles in his career, 28 and a half going for loss. Uh, played in six games before he had a knee injury, but he's a guy that I think could be a day three uh, gem if he can stay healthy for his final season. And then Drake Thomas, six foot, 238. He was the guy that was really relied upon to be the guy, and he really elevated his game. I think that's one of the better linebacking cores in the country if they can all stay healthy and stay out on the field. Florida, I already mentioned Brenton Cox, but Ventrell Miller, look, 6'1", 226, as a sophomore, 86 tackles, 7.5 going for loss, 3.5 sacks, 3 pass breakups, but then in 2021, biceps tendon tear, only plays in two games. He's the guy that I'm expecting to have another bounce back season, have a big year. If Florida wants to do anything defensively, they need to have Miller back on the uh, interior in the middle of that defense. Shifting gears to the secondary, and I mentioned with the cornerbacks, two taken 
in the top 10 in each of the last three, three seasons. In 2020, it was Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson. 2021, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. And then this past season, it was Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner. Ultimately, we have four taken in round one a season ago because we had Trent McDuffie, Kyir Elam also slide into that mix. You know, I think this has a, a chance to be another strong cornerback class. Um, but again, another group with, with a lot of question marks. I think the first guy you look at is Eli Ricks, uh, formerly of LSU, now at Alabama, 6'2", 196, four interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdown and five pass breakups as a true freshman. Six games, then he gets injured. 2021 shoulder injury, required surgery. Um, you know, when you talk about this 2023 draft class on the defensive side of the football, how many times have I mentioned that guys are coming off of injury? From Brissie to Davis to Miller to, to Wilson to Ricks, all these guys coming off of injury. So it's kind of a wait and see for a lot of these guys. Can they return to their previous form? That's going to be a huge question mark um, for a lot of these guys. And, you know, look, Eli Ricks, let's not get it twisted. This guy, a tremendous talent, a guy who I, I think the ball skills are evident, very smooth for a guy his size. You don't see that very often. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially um, in that Bama uniform. Uh, Kelly Ringo out of Georgia, 6'2", 205, redshirt sophomore. Look, a season ago, um, showed the ball skills, two interceptions, one of which he returned for touchdown, eight pass breakups. Um, you worry about you know, the, the, the long speed with him, the, the recovery speed, um, but definitely has excellent ball skills. Another guy who has tremendous ball skills is Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, 6'190", um, two interceptions in his career, 18 pass breakups, always seem to have a nose for the football. He's the guy for me. I've got him in my top three at that cornerback position. I don't really want to move him off of that. Um, Cam Smith, South Carolina. He's not quite on par with J.C. Horn, but the guy can still play. 6'1", 187 pounds, 11 pass breakups, five interceptions in his career, including three of this past season. He's going to be counted upon uh, for sure in uh, Shane Beamer's defense to take out the number one wide receivers there in the SEC. Uh, that's really a, a tough task, but he's a guy that I think can elevate and rise to that level. Clark Phillips III out of Utah, 5'10", 191 pounds. Tremendous ball skills for sure. When you look at him, he's a little bit undersized. Like I said, 5'10". Trent McDuffie, Kyler Gordon, two guys that also were undersized, but they can play inside, they can play out, much like Phillips. And they're balling out. Everyone wanted to talk about them being undersized. And yes, that can be a concern, but their athleticism, their their leaping ability, everything jumped off the charts and said these are guys that are going to be playmakers. They love to get physical and, and play downhill as well. I think Clark Phillips can absolutely be that guy as well. Line him up inside, line him out outside. It doesn't really matter. He's going to be a versatile chess piece uh, on the defensive side of the football for the Utah Utes. Keep an eye out for Clark Phillips. Staying in the Pac-12 for a second, how about Caillou Blue Kelly? 6'1", 186, NFL bloodlines. His father, Brian Kelly, formerly of the, the USC Trojans and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, two interceptions, 11 pass breakups a season ago. Had 17 total pass breakups in his career. Ball skills for days. And look, he's going to be challenged early. Stanford has that early game against USC, second game of the year. Lincoln Riley's offense is going to throw the football a ton. And guess what? 
Coyote Blue Kelly is going to see the likes of Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. If he has a big game against the Trojans, expect his draft stock to continue to rise. Joey Porter Jr., 6'2", 195, physical corner on the outside. Look, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields, no longer there. He's going to be the guy. Look, Jaquan Brisker as well, another playmaker on the back end of the defense. Joey Porter Jr. is going to be relied upon for some veteran leadership on the back end for the Nittany Lions. Look, you're going to have to go up against Jackson Smith and Jigba. Ronnie Bell there at Michigan should be healthy as well. You know, a lot of other guys, Jaden uh, Reed out of uh, Michigan State, the, the guys at Maryland, Dante Demas coming off of injury, and then Rakeem Jarrett. There are going to be a lot of receivers in that Big Ten conference, and Joey Porter is going to have to step up and elevate his game if the Nittany Lions want to ascend back to the top of, of that Big Ten conference. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, another bigger corner there in the SEC, 6'1", 179, versatile piece, a guy that can play a lot of different positions there for the Auburn Tigers. Tony Grimes of UNC, 6'195", excellent ball skills, instinctive, instinctive corner there in the ACC. Emmanuel Forbes of, of uh, Mississippi State, 6'180", um, look, eight interceptions in his career. That's one of those eye-popping numbers. Have five as a freshman, three of which he returned for a touchdown. Long, instinctive, good ball skills. And then Makai Garner, 6'2", 212. Excellent size, right? Played at Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Billy Napier's moved on. And ultimately for his final season, Garner has decided he's going to stay in state, play at LSU, and look, they lose Eli Ricks to get Makai Garner. Pretty good ball skills out of this kid. 18 pass breakups, three interceptions, all in his sophomore season. Teams didn't really want to throw his way. They shied away from him. I want to see him in the SEC against some of those quarterbacks and some of those receivers. If Makai Garner wants to improve his draft stock, have some big games there in the SEC, that'll be the, the quickest way to be able to do that. And he's one of those guys that I think was an intriguing prospect. Now that we're going to see him in a Power 5 conference, we'll easily be able to see if he can stack up against some of these better corners in this draft class. Finally, takes us to that safety position. And look, you know, the question is going to be just how many safeties are we going to see come off the board? This past season, we had three safeties come off the board. Kyle Hamilton, obviously number 14 to the Baltimore Ravens. Daxon Hill, Lewis Seen. Um, at 31 and 32 at the end of round one, going to Cincinnati and Minnesota, respectively. Versatile chess pieces there on the back end of the defense. I think that's really something that jumps out when you look at that. In 2019, we saw uh, Darnell Savage and Jonathan Abram go to the Packers and the Raiders. I, but I think what we saw in 2022 with the versatile chess pieces and really the way that, that safety position um, is being used now, that's really something that I think we're going to be seeing more of. And when I look at this group, the first guy that comes to mind is Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M. 6'3", 200 pounds. And if you put on the game film, I don't care who you are watching, you couldn't help but notice uh, Antonio Johnson flying around on the football field. 27, took you to the football, and he always seemed to be in making a play. This is a dude, 79 tackles, 8.5 going for loss. Had an interception, five pass breakups. He was all over the field for the Aggies, and I expect to see another big year out of him if the Aggies want to contend 
They need to have a big year out of Antonio Johnson on the back end of that defense. Kyle Hamilton's gone. What does the Notre Dame Fighting Irish do? They get Brandon Joseph out of Northwestern as a grad transfer. 6'1", 192. I think what Joseph's known for is the back-end ability with, with picking off the football. Nine interceptions in his career, six as a sophomore, had 79 tackles in 2021. I thought, you know, a lot of people felt that that might have been a down year for him. So he comes back for one more season. If he has a big year, especially with the Irish, first round is not out of the equation. Um, you know, a guy, though, who's not known for his physical play, he's known for being that ball hawk on the back end of that defense. When you're talking about physicality, though, you got to look at J.L. Skinner out of Boise State, 6'4", 218 pounds. He's a bigger safety, but dude, 92 tackles, 7 going for loss, so he loves to play behind the line of scrimmage. A couple of interceptions, 3 pass breakups, a couple of forced fumbles, 3 fumble recoveries. Just has a nose for the football. A guy who is very instinctive on the back end of the defense, very physical, someone to keep an eye out for there. Bama has a couple of safeties that we have to mention. Jordan Battle, seems like he's been there forever as well. 6'1", 210, the senior, the veteran, a guy that can play behind the line of scrimmage if you need him to. Um, you know, had five interceptions so far in his career, three his junior year. Two of those he took back for, for touchdown, has three total touchdowns in his career, eight pass breakups, 181 tackles in his career, 85 as a junior, six tackles for loss, a sack, does a little bit of everything for Bama, uh, and so he's a guy that obviously has to be in consideration for uh, you know either first round or early day two pick. Brian Branch is another interesting kid, uh, six foot, 190 pounds. He'll be a junior, um, has pretty good ball skills, played a lot of different roles for the Crimson Tide. Be curious to see how how he stacks up this year. Uh, Jalen Catalan, don't let the the small size fool you. 5'10", 200 pounds. I think he'll be a day, early day two pick. Um, had a shoulder injury, um, only played in, in six games, but uh, a, a dude that can make a lot of plays on the back end of the defense, not only on the football, but coming downhill uh, against the run as well. You think about Jair Brown um, out of Penn State, 5'11", 208. He loses his running mate, no longer has Jaquan Brisker, who made a lot of plays all over the field. But look, Brown, six interceptions, one of which, uh, you know, he returned for a touchdown. And uh, Brown is, is a guy that can be a playmaker on the back end of the defense. And he's really going to be counted upon for Penn State um, as they, they get, especially when they get into Big Ten play. Now, what's interesting is there are a couple of teams in the SEC with a pair of safety prospects. You look at Georgia, you have Christopher Smith, the veteran there on the back end. Three interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown, four pass breakups, and a tackle for loss in 2021. Then Tyke Smith. This is the guy that I think everybody was talking about. What he did at Western uh, West Virginia, 111 tackles in his career, 10.5 going for loss, four interceptions, nine pass breakups. Only played in one game for Georgia uh, in 2021. A foot injury uh, in the fall, then an ACL tear as well. 5'10", 198, ball hawk, nose for the football. Can he stay healthy? That's the biggest question. Um, and then for Florida, they've got Rashad Torrance, 6 foot, 205, nose for the football. Trey Dean the third, the bigger of the two, 6'3", 206, four interceptions, 14 pass breakups in his career. You know, I, I want to watch those hips for him. Is he more of a fluid athlete? Um, 
or or is he stiff-hipped? I think that's really going to make a difference with his draft stock. Two final guys to mention, Ronnie Hickman, Ohio State, uh, Jamie Robinson out of uh, Florida, Florida State. Ronnie Hickman, a guy that just seemed to be all over the field making plays for the Buckeyes, 99 tackles a season ago, also got burned quite a bit. Um, so basically feast or famine with him. Really want to see him dial in and be one of those leaders on the back end of the defense if we're going to be considering him early in the draft. And then with Jamie Robinson, you know, 5'11", 199 at South Carolina, 135 tackles in his career, a couple of interceptions, eight pass breakups. Then he gets to, to Florida State, and in one year, 84 tackles, seven tackles for loss, four interceptions, three pass breakups. He seemed to be all over the field for the Seminoles, and I think he's really kind of elevated his draft stock. Just seemed to be like another guy there at South Carolina, really able to showcase what he could do at Florida State, much like Jermaine Johnson the second. He's another guy that I think could really see his draft stock rise if he has another big year. So those are some of the defensive prospects to be on the lookout for as we enter the 2022 college football season. I'll tell you what, Labor Day weekend, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be breaking down some of the games to be on the lookout for for that weekend. Really, opening weekend, uh, the 27th, we'll do the same, but we've got three weeks until the start of the college football season, which means we can start taking a look at some of these different positions, identify, get a little bit deeper into things, who are going to be some guys that we need to be on the lookout for, Guys who might be a, a day three pick, but we could see them have their draft stock elevated, possibly into day two consideration. Who are the guys who might be a little overrated coming into the 2022 college football season? Need to have a big year, really a prove it year to solidify their draft stock. And who are the guys that are flying under the radar? The guys that people aren't talking about who are going to make a big splash throughout the season. We'll be getting through all of that here in the coming weeks as we get ready for the start of the college football season. If you can't tell already, I'm very excited. College football right around the corner, which also means the NFL will be starting as well. I can't wait. This is my favorite time of year. We're getting into football season. There are four seasons. Really, there are five. Winter, spring, summer, fall, and football season. And this obviously has to be my favorite season of all. So I think we'll end things on that note. For readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I am out of here.